All right, back to podcast and uh, going to Hebrews chapter number one, starting a new study tonight. And I hope everyone has had a great day in Jesus and uh, the marks of maturity. I certainly want to, uh, to be a mature child of God, a mature Christian, and I just uh, pray that uh, it is the case for each one of our lives. A uh, lot going on. Uh, continue to pray for our church and the many needs, uh, needs of our people and spiritual needs. Um, do remember uh, homecoming coming up. Brother Jason Kirkman will be with us. Uh, looking forward to hearing from him. Um, we've got, uh, we probably will probably, yeah, yeah. there's five Wednesdays in October, I believe it is, or some, some, something like that. There's more. I, I know we push five Sundays anyway. So we're going to pause this week in Bible study, and then we'll pick back up in two weeks and go for two more weeks. And then try to go back to every other week. We we are picking up at work a little bit. Uh, some of some of my wake up times are in the two o'clock hour, uh, coming up pretty soon, and and so um, it just makes it a little difficult to to put everything together and then get to bed. But uh, anyway, I I do uh, I do love enjoy Bible study so much. So we'll pause this week and have podcast on Wednesday, then be back in Bible study for the next two weeks after. Um, so also I, uh, I made mention of this this morning. I, I've really, I was praying on Friday and, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday and the Lord really impressed upon my heart to, if, if you all, I I, want to make an evangelistic push for lost folks Folks that you know need God, or you've got a pretty good idea, just lost, just need Jesus. And if you'll do that, if you'll make an effort to get them to church, get them to our assemblies, if you will do that, I'll, I promise you, when I, I'll, I'll have two messages ready every Sunday, that I will preach to the lost every single week and that we, we have folks in the house that you've made an effort to get to church. So you make an effort and I'll honor that. And so let, let's pray about that situation and uh, those those prayer requests and for the saving of souls. Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter one. Um, Hebrews appears to have been written or penned from Italy. Uh, we find that reference kind of in, in Hebrews 13, 24. Um, let me say right away, right away, the, the penman is never mentioned, okay? Um, it's been widely debated in, in Christianity and in Bible, among Bible scholars and students forever, and I, and I know during the times that I've been saved and studying the Bible, on who wrote, well, we know God wrote it, but who penned the book of Hebrews? Um, 
I mean, Romans, we know clearly it was Paul. And all of the Pauline epistles, we, we know clearly it was Paul. Peter's epistles, James, uh, John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude. We, we, we always know clearly the penman of the epistles with the exception of one. And it's this book to Hebrews. Now, why is that? Why, why, why is that? Um, uh, it seems like Paul's writing, but there's a reference in Second Peter 3.15, and it ends with a special token that he, he declares that uh, it's just a little different in how Paul closed his letters. Now, so the writing style is, does seem very similar to Paul. But he, there's some things missing that are in uh, other of Paul's letters that are are very distinctly and obviously Paul. He's signing his name. Um, I have to believe it's a if for a human a human penman, I would I would make a guess as being Paul. I'm not so certain that Hebrews has not given to us, um, the entire Bible's given to us divine, divinely inspired. We know that. I've taught that. I've been showing you that for years uh, together now. I'm not so certain that Hebrews was not has not come to us, I don't want to say even more divinely inspired, but I'm I'm not so certain that God didn't just pen a book himself, pen the paper himself. Maybe through Jesus, you'll see what I mean in a minute. Maybe just God the Father himself, and just left it there for the Hebrew people to be included in the scriptures. And I'll show you some things in a minute. It's the Word of God. It doesn't have to have a human penman. God can do exactly as He wills and desires. Christ could have penned it Himself. And I'm, I'm going to show you some beautiful things uh, in, in, in this text. Hebrews is a book that is one of my favorites. Miss Brenda makes this statement often that... Uh, the first time she ever heard a message out of Hebrews, where Hebrews was the primary text, was un under my preaching. And I, I, that's, um, I don't want to say it's, it's surprising. For a lot, of, a lot of folks, a lot of preachers even, don't always understand Hebrews. It's not the easiest book. You better be prayerful and you better be a student. You can't spend a lot of time on the golf links and the fishing, too much time on the fishing lake and so forth and really get a good grasp on Hebrews, do it justice, and preach it to people. Um, so there's a lot of reasons for that. But I will say that Hebrews is, without a doubt, one of my favorite books of the Bible because it teaches us about our salvation. It teaches us what it is. It teaches us who it's in. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, 
Not even the Gospel of John, in fact, not even any of the other four Gospels, I'm not saying they're any less, I'm saying they're not any more about Christ than the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is entirely about Jesus Christ. You're going to see throughout this book, it's Jesus, 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 Jesus. Over and over again, it's Christ, Christ. And it's pretty much, it's a shame that there's not been more teaching and preaching from this book when the entire book is about Christ. And a good chance he was the, knowing knowing he was the author, but a good chance he was the penman as well. Now, in its context, in the immediate context of it, um, the Hebrew people were—it's—it's—it's it's a, it's a letter to Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews was were the Hebrew Jews, the Israelites, twelve tribes of the nation of Israel, and so some of them, not all, but some of them, after the cross and after the resurrection and the establishment of the church and the turning to the Gentiles and so forth, uh, many of them began to get saved. Well, when they got saved, it wasn't like when we get saved. Now, now some of you might have had a harder time with your friends, maybe even your family. But much like the Amish do or the Muslims do, um, when a Jew, when a Hebrew Jew in this day would get saved, they would follow Jesus Christ in salvation by grace through faith. They would be excommunicated from their families to the degree that oftentimes there would be a public funeral held for them, although they were living, living like they had never lived before. And so the Hebrew writer, God, spends this entire book expounding for us how much better Jesus is than the Old Covenant, how much better Jesus is than the law how much better Jesus is than than a previous life. And an effort is being made by the writer, the penman, the Holy Ghost, to keep these people or to challenge these people from turning back to the old religion and the old dead way of life. I can't think of a more practical and pertinent book in our day when we try to encourage the children of God the people of God, to not turn back to the world, to not turn back to an older way of life, to not give up hope and not faint in the day of adversity, but to continue on in the faith for Jesus Christ. The Old Covenant, um, well, just to give you a little background, the, the epistle is addressed to the Hebrew Christian. We know that. And the Jewish Christians had been had been brought up in Judaism under an old covenant. And a the new covenant, of course, is in Jesus Christ. And so throughout this, we, we refer to uh, the blood of lambs, the blood of goats, and blood of uh, animal sacrifices not being enough, that we needed the precious blood of Jesus. Now, apart from the, the epistle of Hebrews... Uh, the Word of God tells us very little 
of the present ministry of the Son of God in the presence of God. These messages that I've been preaching concerning what Jesus is doing now, they're found in Hebrews and his office as a high priest. And the key word in Hebrews is the term better. Okay, it's a better sacrifice, a better way of life, a better way of living, uh, a better covenant. Everything is better, and it's being described here uh, in this in this book. All right. So let's start in verse number one, Hebrews one and one. Look, look at this. Look how this book starts. Do you, do you recall what I just said? The author is God. The author is God throughout the Bible, but there's a good chance that God himself, either God the Father himself or God through Jesus Christ penned this letter. Could have been Paul. Maybe it was Paul. We've got no, no indication whatsoever fastidiously that it is Paul. But look at the very first word of Hebrews 1.1, God. This book starts out with that word, God. God who at sundry times, okay, and in divers manners, that means many times and in various ways. Divers means diverse. God who at sundry times, many times, and in divers or many manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. So in time past, he spoke in many ways by the prophets. The prophets would preach. The prophets would teach. The prophets would write the word of God. The prophets would proclaim. And so in many times and in diversity of manners, God spoke to people through the prophets. But look in verse 2, hath in these last days. That means as the church is being established, Paul always referred to these as the last days. Christ did. So if it's another 5,000 years, it's still the last days in relation to Christ dealing with mankind. Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So no more hearing from him and on the basis of prophets, now God is speaking to us by his son. God is communicating to us through his son, Jesus Christ. So in the last days, in the times of the penning of this, so this is addressed to Hebrews, and he's telling the Hebrews, look, God's spoken to you in many, many ways through the years. But right now, you need to know that he has spoken unto you by his son. And his son is Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, stay with me. By his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom he also made the worlds. So he has appointed Jesus Christ the heir of all things, and by Jesus Christ he also made the worlds. Look at that, worlds. That's enough to choke a bunch of a bunch of Baptists. Worlds, not just world. So an indication that there's there's more than one world. This Bible's a rich book, friend. You know the half 
half has never been told. We, We know in part. We know in part. We don't even, we've not even scratched the surface of what God has done and will do. But also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and his express image. The term express image means the exact representation of God. When you see Jesus Christ, that is an exact representation of God. I'm not. You're not. We try to be, we strive to be, we pray to be. But when you see Jesus, he is the exact representation of God. That Man, that's good. I'm just three verses in, not even three verses in. Who being the brightness of his glory and express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. You see that, he, all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins. So believers are washed from their sins in Christ's own blood. To purge is to completely wash. And the Bible says that he has washed our sins. You see, in the Old Testament, the sins were just simply covered. They were covered from year to year. They were covered uh, from sacrifice to sacrifice. They were covered uh, until the next year when, when they had to go back and offer up more sacrifice. It was simply a covering under the Old Covenant and under the Old Testament. But now, but now, but now, church, the Bible tells us that he has purged our sins. That means he has washed, he has cleansed, he has done completely away with. So it's not that that they're just clean, that they're just just covered over. It means they're gone. If you've had a record purged or you've had a purging, that means it was completely done away with, completely gone. And that Bible's telling us how much better it is under the new covenant because our sins have been purged, not just covered. So that's already better. That's already better. All right, let's move on. We're still in verse 3. Purged our sins. And after he did so, he sat down... He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Excuse me, my dogs. So, when you read in the Bible, when, when Christ sits down, when others sits down, that speaks of a job finished. That speaks of a job completed. So, after he purged our sins, after he done away with our sins, he sat down, look, on the right hand of the majesty on high. So that's where he is now. And we're going to find out what all he's doing. Verse 4, being made so much better than the angels. So he's so much better than the angels. 
um, as he hath inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Now, let me say something. I was asked about angels this week. Angels have a ministry. Okay, ministering spirits, the Bible teaches us angels have a purpose. But it's, it's quite offensive to me. Quite offensive. And for any Bible believer, it should be quite offensive. The, the degree of angel worship that we see. I mean, people decorate their homes. People say, so-and-so's my guardian angel. <clears throat> I've got a guardian, guardian angel. Just, just it's, it's nauseating. It, it tells me people don't know the Bible. Tells me they don't know the scriptures. You don't need an angel. You've got the Son of God. You've got the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says, as great as the angels are, look, being made so much better than the angels. You see how we minimize Jesus? We, I don't. But do you see how society and religion and churches and preachers, and I could see the Catholics doing it because they never make much of him anyway. They put Mary co-equal with him and angels co-equal with him and quote-unquote But when Baptist people, Bible-believing people, make, make more of angels guiding over them and watching over them, and I thank God for them. They, they do fight and war in the air for our prayers and, and things like that to get to the throne room because Satan attempts with everything he can to try to hinder it. Can I tell you that it's, it's not an angel looking out for us. It's God. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Why an inheritance? Because he is and was the son of God. Is God with his father. So he inherited the excellent name. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Never said that to the angels. He said that to Jesus Christ. Okay, the term angels means a messenger. And the Word of God is very plain teaching that God created angels and their spiritual beings in the service of God. We'll see that. Verse 14. They carry God's message to men and still carry His will in various ways, and some of them fail with Satan, according to Jude 6. <clears throat> Sometimes angels are mentioned by name. Michael, Daniel 12, <clears throat> verse 1. Uh, the archangel is also mentioned in Jude 9. Gabriel is mentioned in Luke one twenty six. Other angels are revealed by their titles and type of service, seraphims and cherubims. And sometimes the word angel refers to human messengers. 1 Kings 19.2, Luke 7.24. And some of the prophets were spoken of as God's angels or messengers, according to Haggai one thirteen. And sometimes the heavenly hosts are called angels. Or, or sent ones, or holy ones, or watchers. At times they've taken on human form. We, we just come out of a study in uh, Genesis where they had the ability to procreate. 
But I want you to understand, no one becomes an angel when they die. No one. Angels were created beings by God to be angels forever. The angels the Bible teach us marvel when we get grafted and saved by the grace. The Bible says there's presence in the in the uh, or there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So they don't even really understand it. They just know that we're home, we're saved, and they rejoice at that. Okay? So never discredit Jesus, never discredit salvation, never discredit being a child of God with angels. They're wonder. I thank God for them. I'm so glad he created them. I need them, obviously, warring in, in heaven or warring in the skies and in the prince of the power of the air on behalf of all of us. But the fact of the matter is, is it's not them protecting us. It's the Son of God. Now watch this. Verse number six, and again, when he bringeth in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. So even the angels of God worship Jesus Christ, the first begotten being Jesus. And of the angels he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now watch. But unto the Son he saith, thy throne O God is forever and ever. No angel sits on a throne. A scepter of righteousness is thy scepter of thy kingdom. Jesus Christ's throne, just as David's throne, shall be forever. Thou hast loved righteousness, verse 9, and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. So God is telling us who Jesus is in this. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands, and they shall perish. But thou remainest, and all, all shall wax old as doth a garment. And as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and thou shalt be changed, but thou art the same. That's Jesus. That's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And thy years shall not fail. Put to which of the angels said he at any time, Sit on my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation? They are ministering spirits. Funny thing is, funny thing here. When this book of Hebrews opens up in an effort to teach us about who and what Jesus is and how he's better than the old covenant and he's better than the old sacrifice and he's better than the angels of, of God themselves and he's better than it all. He starts with angels. And I think that's important because in modern day, again, barring from the Roman Catholic institution, Folks have become enamored with angels. And again, I'm not discrediting them. I'm not discounting them. I'm simply making an attempt to define them properly for you and let you know to never 
let angels take the place of Jesus Christ in your life. You will not become an angel. Your mother, who is in heaven, did not become an angel. Your mother, who's on earth, is not an angel. Your father is not an angel. Your children definitely aren't angels. We are not angels. We can never be angels and we never will be angels. We are human beings that God has created, mankind. And we have a special privilege in the fact that we can enjoy salvation and the indwelling Holy Ghost. And that's something that the angels can never have and never will. I'm glad I am what I am. And that's a sinner saved by the grace of God. More than that, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. And more than that, I'm glad that he's better than an old life. I'm glad that he's better than an old covenant. I'm glad that he's better than an old way. I'm glad that he's better than the angels. I'm glad we don't have to shed the blood of bulls and goats. But we've got Jesus. But we see Jesus so much better than the angels. All right. This is going to be an exciting study. It's going to be a good study. It's going to be a very informative study, the book of Hebrews. I hope you've enjoyed lesson number one from chapter number one. And Wednesday night will be in chapter number two. Tune in with me. Then we'll be back in Bible study the following Wednesday night. Good night. God bless. I love each of you.